like I've been like I've been saying, you know, I just gotta to stay aggressive, you know, and try to find those opportunities and not, um, you know, let teams off the hook. So I was just being aggressive. Um, you know, I was able to find opportunities in the first half, and I think um, it, when you play against good teams, you know, they're not going to show you their hand, you know, to start the game. You know, obviously, like you said, the first possession, I noticed that they were um, aggressive in that boxing one kind of look. But it was kind of on and off, you know. They would try to um, go into normal coverages and not be so aggressive. But I think they wanted to, you know, just keep something in their back pocket that they can, you know, go to, you know, if the game turned into the kind of game that it turned into. Um, and, you know, going into the half, 17-point lead, um, it was obvious in the third quarter that they came out and just committed to it. And, um, you know, I think for me, uh, typically teams are aggressive in pick-and-roll coverages or, um, you know, in spots. In, in the half court, but um, you know they just committed to it. You know, a lot of times we were wide open on the wing. You know, they were just coming up and leaving guys on the wing, leaving guys in the corner, uh, leaving the free throw line open. Uh, and at that point, um, you know, you have to you have to get rid of the ball. You got to accept it and get rid of the ball, and then just try to break them down that way. Uh, you know, and those are the plays that I was making. You know, I tried to take my opportunities in between there and, you know, attacking opportunities in between. But like I said, they completely sold out in that that coverage. And, you know, I was just making the right plays. And, um, you know, when I did try to find opportunities, it wasn't as clean of looks. And, you know, they had a championship uh, organization and team. And uh, they did a good job. Hey, Rip City. This is Anthony Simons. And it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Hodo. Greetings, Blister fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode number 27 of The Briefcase. I'm your host, Casey Holdall. That was Damian Lillard discussing the defense that the Golden State Warriors threw at him, particularly in the second half of their 123-105 loss in San Francisco Tuesday night. Starting to get serious for the Trailblazers with roughly 20 games left in the regular season, and if they want to make the postseason, they're going to have to be much better than they've been since the All-Star break. Getting players back from injury would help, obviously, but some of the other guys are going to have to step up as well. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the way the teams are going to approach Damian over these last 20-some-odd games, and we'll hear from Matisse Thibault about how his transition is going with the Trailblazers on this edition of The Briefcase. Just to let you know, this is going to be a bit of a truncated edition of The Briefcase. Just got back from Golden State last night. The Blazers play the Pelicans at Moda Center Wednesday night and then leave the next day, first thing in the morning, for an 11-day, six-game road trip. So I'm trying to get this podcast out to you before game starts on Wednesday, and obviously I'll be back later on on the road trip. So I'm going to skip some of the more detailed stat analysis that we typically do in this part of the show and just get to the nitty-gritty. After 61 games, Blazers sit in 11th in the Western Conference standings with 29 wins and 32 losses with 21 games to play, probably 20 games by the time you listen to this. Blazers are 14 games behind the Nuggets at first, two and a half games behind the Warriors and the Clippers in fifth, which is why losing that game in Golden State after they were up by as many as 23 points is such a bummer. So while the Blazers are very close to fifth, they're also just a half game away from the Lakers in 12th and only one game up on the Thunder for 13th. Portland has been in this situation now for about a month. They haven't yet made that move that you would hope that they could make after the All-Star break. Obviously, there's still time to make a run, but it's going to have to happen soon if it's going to happen. And doing it on the road versus some pretty good teams is going to be difficult, but that's the situation the Blazers find themselves in right now. If they're going to make the postseason, if they're going to even make the play-in, they're going to have to go out and win some games on the road that they typically haven't won this season. We'll find out soon enough they're able to do that. For a while now, for the Blazers, it's been as Damian goes, so goes the Trailblazers. 
And that's even especially true right now, considering how many players are out with injuries and just how great Damien is playing. Dame always draws ample attention from posting defenses, but after putting up 71 points versus the Rockets in his first game back from the All-Star break, teams are going to start throwing everything they have at him and daring his teammates to make them pay for it. And Tuesday night versus the Warriors in San Francisco, Dame's teammates could not take advantage of all that attention that he was being paid. As I mentioned, Blazers went up by 23 points in the first half, had a 40-plus point first quarter which is phenomenal. But with the way that Dame has been playing lately, teams are going to completely sell out on trying to stop Damian Lillard. And that's especially true while you have Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic still out of the lineup. Hopefully those guys are going to be coming back soon. Same goes for Justice Winslow, who's been out for some time with that high ankle sprain. Hope was that maybe he might be able to come back before the All-Star break. Evidently, that was not the case. Still waiting on all three of those guys to get back in the lineup. And with teams doing everything they can to take away Dame, you know, this team needs talent regardless, but particularly not having guys and Ant and Nurk and Justice, all guys who can play make a bit on their own. Having those guys out is especially difficult right now because with teams doing everything they can to slow down Dame and what the Warriors did in the second half last night after he kind of got going is they threw the box and one at him, which is basically they had one guy face guarding him everywhere and then three other guys kind of tracking everything he was doing and daring somebody else to make a play. That gets the ball out of Damien's hands and you would hope at that point you'd be able to take advantage of that mismatch. Portland has not really been able to do that when teams have really focused on Dame. And again, part of that is just because they're deficient in personnel right now. They're they're missing their second best player in Anthony Simons. They're missing their basically their top creators after Dame and Ant, Nurk, and Justice, particularly Justice, who played an incredibly important part in the second unit, kind of setting the table for other guys on the team. And now that we're in the stretch run and teams are really starting to round into form for the postseason and knowing that they're going to be fighting for playoff positioning, particularly in the West, where every team basically thinks that they can move up. So teams are really going to start playing aggressive defense on Damian Lillard and basically daring other guys to beat them. And as we saw in Golden State Tuesday night, they couldn't. And while teams are going to definitely start game planning for Dame specifically and maybe going to extreme lengths like the Warriors did Tuesday night, Dame said that that was the first time that he can ever remember being box and one in an NBA game. I think maybe he's misremembering that a little bit. I feel like I've seen it a couple times, but long story short, it's a very aggressive defense to throw at someone. It's not very common to do, and it's what you do when a team feels like there's only one guy on a team that can really beat you. And, you know, it should be said here as well that... The Golden State Warriors are especially well-equipped to throw that kind of defense at Dame. Other teams are not going to be able to do that on a night-to-night basis. They don't have the familiarity with each other. And while the Golden State Warriors might not be the same team that they used to be, even though they did win a championship last year, they still have guys like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, who've all played with each other for a long time, know exactly what they're doing, know how to play on a string, and... They're the kind of team that the core has been together for so long now that they're able to make changes on a game-to-game basis from a defensive perspective that other teams just wouldn't be able to make. So what I'm saying is, are the Atlanta Hawks going to be able to throw a box and one at Dame when they play there in a couple days? Probably not. But I think teams are definitely going to go to extreme lengths in order to slow him down. And part of that will be fixed by getting Anthony Simons back. You know, if Ants is out there, It's much more difficult to throw three defenders at Dame, let alone four defenders at Dame, if you have a guy in Ant who can score at all three levels. Same goes if you have a guy like Justice who can also create for other guys too. So 
you obviously get the ball out of Dame's hand, but if you kick it to another guy like Justice or Ant who can create for their teammates, that kind of fixes that issue as well. Same thing a little bit with Nurk comes back. You know, you have Nurk, a guy who can operate out of the high post, who is a willing passer and is a guy who, while he might not always make the exact right play that you want from a playmaking perspective, is at least someone that has that capability and that knowledge and that understanding of where the ball needs to go when Dame has to give it up. And the guys he's playing with right now, Damian, I should say, just haven't really played with him for a long time. I mean, you look at Portland's starting lineup right now, you have Matisse Thibel, who has played about four games for Dame, though they do have some familiarity with each other, which we'll ask Matisse about here later on in the show. Cam Reddish, who has been on the team for two weeks now, who Dame has played maybe four or five games with. Jeremy Grant, obviously, who he's been with this entire season. Andrew Eubanks doesn't have the same chemistry with a guy like Nurk as he does with a guy like Drew. And Drew's skill set, obviously, much different than Nurk's, also much smaller, too. So what I'm saying is that Yes, what we saw versus the Warriors Tuesday night, if other teams are able to do that to Portland, they're in trouble. That kind of defense, as well executed as they did, is something that it would be hard to overcome, at least until those guys come back from injury. But I don't think necessarily that most teams in the NBA are equipped to do that. A team like Boston, I think you'd probably get away with that. A team like the 76ers, they might be able to do something similar. But the other teams that are going to be coming up against here soon... I don't really think they have the personnel nor the time together in order to do those things. So you would hope that Portland would be able to take advantage in those games because what we saw Tuesday night versus the Warriors is that Dame ended up with 25 points on 9 of 21 shooting from the field and 2 of 7 shooting from 3 while only getting to the free throw line 5 times. 25 points is the least amount of points that Damian has scored in well over a month, which is pretty crazy to talk about how a 25.9 is kind of underwhelming for Damian, but that's where he's at right now and that's why he's getting so much attention from other teams obviously. But if the Blazers can figure out a way to take advantage of the teams that are selling out on Dame, then they'll stop selling out on him. But until they've shown that they're able to take advantage of having a numbers mismatch, which is what happens when you have to double, triple, or in the case of the Warriors, quadruple team someone, teams are going to continue to do it. So getting guys back healthy would help. Having players outside of Dame who are able to take advantage of when teams are selling out on Dame, particularly Jeremy Grant's the guy who I think they could probably be getting a little bit more from in terms of that right now. If they're able to get some of those things figured out, they could take off. They could actually get this thing moving and make a run as we've seen so many times throughout the years in the second half. All those things can still happen and very well might happen. But the Blazers are going to have to take advantage of some of the teams that are really focusing on Dame right now in order to loosen things up, not only on Dame, but on everybody else as well. Because I think we also saw Tuesday night, as soon as they started throwing that box and one at Dame, you could see, you could feel everyone else on the floor for the Blazers tightening up. And that just can't happen at this point in the season. Guys have to play loose and free and confidently. And granted, when you have multiple guys in your starting lineup who've only been with the team for a couple weeks, it can be difficult to do that. But they're going to have to get up to speed quickly because if not, they're going to be on the outside looking in once the playoffs come. Though should also mention that the team just upgraded Anthony Simons to questionable for Wednesday night's game versus the Pelicans in Portland, which obviously portends good things for his availability going into this upcoming six-game road trip. As I just mentioned, getting Ant back would help with a lot of the issues they're experiencing with teams selling out on Dame. It's not going to solve all of it, obviously, but getting one of your primary playmakers back, one of your primary shot makers back, will definitely result in teams not being able to be as aggressive defensively on Dame as they would otherwise if Ant wasn't in the game. With all that said, let's get to our interview with Matisse Thibel. We talked to Matisse about acclimating to the Trailblazers, where he feels like he can help the team improve the most on the defensive end, being back in the Pacific Northwest, being a third culture kid and what that means to him. 
how he views his Australian citizenship, having the opportunity to expand his offensive skill set, and how teams start ramping up for postseason play this time of year. Take it away, Matisse. So, Matisse, uh, how would you say the transition has gone for you so far? It's been good. Um, that's, that's funny. We were actually talking about this uh, after my shooting time today. Yeah, it's been easy. Like guys, guys here play the right way, so it makes the game simple. So there's less that you need to relearn or unlearn. It's just like you get to come, show up, play basketball. Dame's gonna do his thing. He's gonna make the right plays. He's gonna make spectacular plays, and then being able to play off of him is just pretty uh, intuitive thing. And obviously, someone who that's kind of practiced with him even back in your college days like I imagine you've kind of maybe been able to see like his progression maybe a little more than some other people have because you, you've kind of been around him for a little bit I think I've just been able to see the spectacular plays more <laughs> like I've seen him practice the shots that he makes and everyone goes crazy over so and for me it's kind of like it's fun to see most people practice things like that or like mess around but they never actually do them in a game and he's one of the few people who can do them and actually accomplish what he's going out to do. Yeah, there's that notion of, like, when you're practicing, it's like, shoot game shots, you know, like game shots. And it's like, for Dame, it's like, game shots are anything on the half court, basically. <laughs> Just about anything he wants to shoot is a game shot. How has been being back in, in the Pacific Northwest? I know you, you kind of mentioned it when, you're, when you first got back. How, how has that been for you? And granted, I know that kind of we've had the all-star break as well, so I don't know, maybe you haven't spent a ton of time yet, but I imagine there's got to be some comfort level there. Yeah, I mean, I haven't... I was telling my friend, I think I've been in Portland for two weeks total, yeah. like actually in Portland. I mean, it's nice, it's familiar. Like when I got drafted by Philadelphia, it was I didn't know anything about anything. I, like it was all new. So like I've, I've been here a f- like handful of times just growing up, doing road trips and stuff. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's kind of been funny to see like people from childhood just coming out of the woodworks <laughs> like hey you're in portland like, i'm coming to a game and i'm like i haven't talked to you since seventh grade yeah. <laughs> i know obviously people kind of associate you with the northwest because obviously you you spent time here you went to u-dub but i know you lived internationally for a while when you were younger too so like what was your that kind of that upbringing like um there's this concept called a third culture kid and it's when you are raised in a household that experiences three or more cultures, like cultural dynamics. And so for my sister and I, it was my father's side of the family being Haitian. My father was like the first generation to leave Haiti. Um, My sister was born in Australia and that's where we grew up for like five or six years and then living in the United States. So it's a, I mean, it's something to read up on because it's a a thing that happens to people when when you're in that kind of blender this mix of cultures where you don't really know what to identify with um but it gives you a fun perspective in being able to have seen um life from a couple different viewpoints and obviously you've you've played for the australian national team as well how how has that experience been and how do you kind of i guess it's maybe a little akin to that third cultural thing like how do you do you consider yourself an australian like how, how do how do you internalize that part of your of yourself i guess yeah i really embrace the time that i spent in australia um to call myself australian i think would be a bit of a reach because i was so young when we moved there and i left still pretty young um luckily for me i was able to stay there long enough to gain citizenship so that's why i get to hang on to the the title of australian and be able to play for the national teams and whatnot but it's yeah, I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing to be able to have grown up in another country and, and now to have the opportunity because of it to be able to play on the world stage at the Olympics and 
World Cup, it's uh, my dad when I was young was like really hard on my sister and I just about how important it was to maintain the citizenship and what it meant. And at that time, we didn't really understand. We thought it was just kind of annoying and crazy, to be honest. But then now it's like, oh, my goodness, such an amazing opportunity that we got from it. That's that's parents for you as well. Like they, they always have an idea of like, no, let's let's kind of keep this this open. You, it might help you later on down the road. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we really thought it would help in the way it has. But I mean, when you have the option, it, it just helps. More to to the kind of the more recent stuff with the Trailblazers. You know, I asked you this when I think your first press conference. Like this team has been kind of in the wilderness in terms of like needing to improve defensively for a while now. What are some of the areas that you feel like you can help this team improve? defensively as a team i think just making us more dynamic as far as perimeter defending goes so we're like jeremy's had to do a lot of the heavy lifting it, i think it just gives us a chance to be like i said more dynamic be able to throw different looks at other teams best players be able to hopefully change up our options as like team defenses because now we can hopefully hold guys like control guys a little bit better because we have like two fairly defensive-minded players out there who can who can take on that challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's all a learning experience. Like, even for myself, like identifying as a defender, I still have to learn how to play defense with these guys, to learn how to play within the team's um, systems. Is there, I mean, I know you, you play them twice a year, but is there anything to, like, being in the West now and having to maybe familiarize yourself with players in the West as a, after having played in the East for your first three seasons? Uh... No, I'd say there's a, there's a familiarity. Sure. Like, you know, I think it's just now there's more opportunities to see these guys. Whereas before, all the guards in the West are incredible, right? So, like, there was a high level of attention to detail whenever we played them. So, in, in the East, when you're playing a team once or twice, you really want to win those games. You really want to do your job well. So, I think because of that, I have a good sense of what these guys do and don't do. How would you describe your role on this team, and how would you maybe like to see it evolve as you spend more time with the team? Sure, that's a good question. I don't really know. I haven't even taken the time to think about it. Because sure. at this point, it's like I just want to help this team win, and doing that in whatever ways feel organic. So whether that's being able to space the floor and when Dame or Ant get double teamed, knock down the open three, or getting out in transition after we get a stop, being able to generate offense from defensive stops, cutting. I mean, it's, like I said at the beginning, it's good basketball that's being played here. So being able to plug and play is a little bit easier and not having to necessarily be like a, such a niche player and being able to like see and affect the game in a little bit more global sense just feels like there's less of a like role player, you only do this type of thing. It's like our main guys are going to do what they do and they're going to do it well. And the rest of us are just going to continue to find ways to complement them. You've played in the playoffs every season you, you've been in the NBA. This is the time of year after the All-Star break where it feels like teams kind of start paying attention to that or kind of gearing up for that. Do you, do you feel that at all? Or, or like as a player going into this part of the season, like does that change your mentality or the way you approach games knowing that the playoffs are not far away? Yeah, I mean, in, in Philadelphia, there's always so much pressure to be a win-now team. So whole year everything that's been preached is not necessarily playoffs but it's like being the number one seed getting home court advantage like that kind of stuff so um it's a, a unique perspective from this sense of like now it's like we're we're trying to get our way in get our foot get our foot in the door of the playoffs so that we can try and make some noise but yeah i mean everyone 
It's either you're ramping it up or you're shutting it down. And I think we're one of the situations where it's getting ramped up. As a player, how would you kind of like to see yourself grow and improve as, as you kind of enter this situation where you're kind of coming up for your, your next contract? Yeah. I think here there's a lot more opportunity offensively. Um, in Philadelphia, there just was an opportunity. Um, so being able to just take the opportunity and do something with it. So being able to create more off the dribble, like make plays as a as an offensive player. There was a was it last game, Chauncey had me initiating some of the offensive sets and just being able to have the ball in my hands more to not only score, but to be able to just look and make more plays. And then on the defensive end, just continue to become more disciplined, more effective and efficient and allow that to just continue to be more like my staple and the thing that we know I'm always going to be able to show up and do and then just let like this new opportunity be a, a force of growth and just exploration and the offensive end. So there you go, Matisse Thibel. I always enjoy talking to Matisse. I'm really enjoying getting to know him a little bit. Uh, a guy of many different interests and a guy who really can help this team out considering his, his quality and his attention to detail on the defensive end. Really looking forward to see what Matisse can do with this team going forward. But that's going to do it on this edition of The Briefcase. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll be back later on this week as the team heads out on an extended road trip. It's been quite a homestand for Portland, even though they haven't been at home the entire time. Basically, for the first two months of 2023, they've spent quite a bit of time at home. Now it's time to pay the piper by getting out on the road. The Trailblazers facing the Atlanta Hawks on Friday, the Orlando Magic on Sunday, the Detroit Pistons on Monday the Boston Celtics on Wednesday, the Philadelphia 76ers next Friday, and on Sunday they finish up the trip versus New Orleans, the team that they're playing before they head out on this road trip. So kind of some bookends there with our old friend Jim McCollum and the New Orleans Pelicans, another team that's kind of struggling to find their footing right now. Well, thank you for joining us on this edition of The Briefcase. Like I said, we'll be back later on this week from the road, updates, interesting stories, probably a few interviews, and hopefully some wins to talk about, but there's only so much that we can do about that mostly up to the players and the coaches. So please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Go Blazers.